keep Rayman Digital on the air by pledging to our Patreon page. Uh, your continued support allows us to continue to make great content and offer even better features in the future. Help us keep the lights on in the studio by pledging one to ten dollars a month. Go to patreon.com slash Rainman Digital to pledge. Warning from the back to tank contains adult language and discussions. If you're easily offended, do not continue. We would be honored if you would join us. Workups on your condition indicate that all damage has been reversed. Recovery is total. I believe you have been quite fortunate. No further thanks are necessary, Commander, but you are most welcome. It is my function and pleasure as a medical droid to help and heal you and I am a Jedi, like my father before me. Hello, welcome everyone to Star Wars from the Bag to Tank, the Bad Batch edition. I am your host, Michael, and in the studio today is David. Hello, David. Hello there. And Lauren, hello. Hello. All right, so today we're going to discuss episode 10, Common Ground, directed by Saul Reese and written by Gurisman Sandhu. All right, so the writer of the episode, David and Lauren, Put a bit of politics back into the series. Yes. Or back into Star Wars. In the opening teaser where we see the senator, a senator of Raxus, correct? Yes. Yes. Uh, Struggle with doing what's right for his people. You have that factor combined with the score by Kevin Kenner. Mm -hmm. I mean, it creates a tone of conflict from the get go. Well, it creates, it, it really takes what, if, especially if you've been watching all the series up to this point, seeing them really try to make a make a coherent time frame for the series has actually been really well done because, like you know, they've been sh- trying to show that the galaxy is changing, it's adapting and quickly changing. Quickly, that's how powerful the Empire was, and. You know, me and you have discussed about it in the past episodes about how, like, the Empire uses the propaganda to kind of bolster their power. Their among control. The galaxy, their control. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And in here, we finally get to see there are people that basically do not believe this, you know. And I really like, I don't know about you two, but that opening segment, I love the fact that it kind of reminded me of, like, Things I saw in the real world, to uh, like in the past, like Tiananmen Square, you know, the, the yeah. tanks going against the people. And I'm like going, they they know what they want to actually convey when it comes to, okay, this is the vibe of this era of Star Wars now, this time frame. You know, the Empire is totally in, in like conquering mode. It, it's almost like a dictatorship. Right. I agree. I loved the way they started it because everything you just said, I mean, I could have said it better. It also just brings a realistic flair to everything. And, but for the most part, I do like, I like intellectualism. I like smarts being put into our shows, even if it's simple. 
because obviously you can't get overly uppity with Star Wars. You can't because the no. majority of the Star fan, Star Wars fans are just going to cringe and cry and throw things at the wall. And listen, I would too, because Star Wars isn't necessarily for that. However, there are moments when you can drop in those those nuggets of realism. I mean, that's not something entirely new to Star Wars. Yeah. I mean, the show has been far lighter on fleshing out the political ideology of characters when compared to other felony led shows. I was hoping it wasn't going to be this light and it looks like they're just trying to um, pace themselves because Clone Wars was built largely around the concept of propaganda. Yeah. I mean, just look at the intro, which is reminiscent of the 1930s war reels that played in theaters. Oh yeah. I remember those. And me and you have talked about it in the past, how those opening segments of Clone Wars were what really made it feel cool and authentic. You know, the narrator coming in and saying, giving us like this news flash of, yeah. hey, this is what's going on in the galaxy. Right. And, it was, <laughs> and it's, compl- <laughs> <Utapow>. <laughs> and it's exactly. completely one sided, like the American film reels and the Nazi yes. film reels of the 1930s. <laughs> but now now you're getting to see that propaganda feel from the Clone Wars suddenly start changing because now they introduce the Empire. Right. And we all know the Empire is evil. We all know this. But but it's just the way they treat the propaganda. That From thought, Anakin's point of view, the Jedi are evil, though, <laughs> David, just, evil. just so they just want to throw that out there. But like it, it was cool, the, it, especially for me in this episode, seeing a lot of like the chatter, especially with my friends who I watch the, the show with. Mm-hmm. In that very beginning segment, it's like they're like going, how in the world can people be so gullible to actually believe the Empire? And I'm like, going, because the Empire is using the propaganda to basically say, we're doing this for your own good. Well, just look at history. How does any dictatorship take control? By fooling people By and fooling keeping people. the truth right. and the facts. Yes. There's a, there's a honeymoon phase there where they use the propaganda and they lull everyone into this sense of security of like, well, okay, it's different, but it might be better. Look, they're they're talking about unity. They're talking about one galaxy unified together, right. everyone working together, no war, no battles. And then we get to stuff like beginning of this episode where it's yes. they've made it very clear, like, listen, listen to how civil we are. Listen to, to how much we're just trying to tell you that this is for your own benefit. But as soon as someone speaks up and says, you know what? No, this this is wrong. I'm here for the people of this planet, of this world, not for the Empire. Not for the Empire, and, yeah. Yeah, we don't need you to come in and take over our whole way of life. And then as soon as that happens, you know, people get a glimpse of the reality of it. How yes. quickly things turn. And it's, it, it was really cool that they chose that certain uh, Imperial officer to be kind of like the face of the empire this episode, because she's not, she does not look villainous at all. She doesn't. She looks like a a normal officer you would expect in any army. And she's just following orders. Yeah. Well, isn't it? What do they say about honey? You can get more attract more with honey. Oh, you attract more fun. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. I mean, if she just came out swinging, I mean, she's setting herself up for a revolt. So how do you, how do you, you know, twist and turn the minds of people? You you appear that you're kind and you're on their side on for their the side, most part. Yeah, yeah. Rebels had explored the idea of just simply growing up on the wrong side of the border a bit 
oh, know, they, yeah. they used the whole entire Agent Callus idea, which was one of my favorite aspects of the show, to rework how we view people on mm-hmm. the wrong side and what it takes to deprogram oneself. That was something that was always a highlight for me in Rebels. And it's really the only thing Resistance did well until they fucked that up as well. I mean, the whole the whole thing between Tam and Kaz. Oh, that was Tam defending the Empire because, well, I've never witnessed this. I don't know what you're talking about, Kaz. The Empire gave us food and gave us a, a place to live and and clothed us. They protected us. And that was the only good thing about Resistance. And then they dropped that ball. So. Star Wars has never necessarily veered away from politics. And that's why I go back to my original point. It's surprising how Bad Batch is very light on that. And I've been waiting for us to really get into the political motivations and how it pertains to the rise of the Empire. And I'm wondering, possibly due to our current social landscape and how things are divisive presently, if possibly Corbett and Filoni have purposely stayed away from it too much and not because they are afraid, but possibly they know that it's hard to say or do anything nowadays without someone misinterpreting your narrative or your subtext. And they start screaming, you know, woke Star Wars, you know, Kathleen Kennedy is at it again. I wouldn't be I wouldn't be surprised because like it's also because you can throw literally anything that's just a human thought. Yeah. Like, hey, listen, slavery is wrong. Oh, woke. Whoa. Oh, fuck them. They're destroying Star Wars. And I get it. You know, I, I can get behind their arguments and I understand why they're why they are ready. But the misinterpretation can destroy your show sometimes when we live in very divisive times. So it sucks because it feels like a lot of these people have forgot what Star Wars was built on, which is the concept of political puppeteering, politicians masquerading as practitioners of diplomacy propaganda and most definitely a type of supremacy yeah especially since you bring up the fact that they might be trying to not shove it into our face in with this with this uh series because yeah. like you see the landscape now or at and, least and they're, I'm trying talking, to, they're trying to ease us in you know yeah and i'm yeah. talking about outside of star wars look at other franchises that <clears throat> have tackled like subjects like this and automatically they get either praised yeah. or they get shit on. Right. There's no in between. There, there really isn't. And this time in history, no, there is no in between. And if you look at how Filoni writes for Clone Wars, he has always tried to maintain this tone of neutrality. You know, he wants to actually show both sides. Why things happen. Why it's, things happen they more, have that they are. You know, it's more well, I think than... They're- I think they're going to lean more into that, too, um, I think now, now that we've seen this episode, because mm-hmm. the the Bad Batch talk about how, well, I don't want to help the Separatists. Uh, yep. they're, they're, it's I a Separatist that, yeah. city. Um, and they're still so focused on what they've been, not literally programmed, because yes, of course, but also just conditioned by, like, the, the I don't know, the, the missions, the jargon, everything. Separatist equals bad but there was so much more to it you know separatists weren't the real enemy in the long run yes um and and the whole war was you know a setup to begin with so i think it'll be interesting to see them talking with the senator now now that they've rescued him um and realizing like okay yeah sure we were against the separatists and we were at war but clearly there's a 
bigger picture here. Yeah. And separatist cities, planets, whatever, weren't inherently bad. Yeah. And to add on to your point, Lauren, is about like the choice of the two characters in the Bad Batch that had problems with it, I thought was very smart, too. Because like you have Echo. I mean, that that's that would make sense. That would make sense. You got to remember, Echo got tortured by the Separatists. And yeah. the reason <laughs> yeah. why he the reason why he is the way he is is because of the Separatist army. Yeah, I, I 100 percent agree. I, I felt like that was smart, a smart decision. And it's with Wrecker. Ever since the Bad Batch Rekka uh, <laughs> got introduced, <laughs> they've they've made sure to actually show that Wrecker has like a a hatred of droids. Yeah, and it's not like it's not like the type of hatred like me and you talk about with say like a character like uh, uh, our favorite bounty hunter comic book. <laughs> it's it's not. It's- it's not a bad thing necessarily. Like they're not saying they're bad people, but it's yeah. all about the message and what it's, they're trying to do with it. Because just like what you and Lauren both are talking about, I mean, look at the episode itself. It's titled the title. I should say it's titled common ground. Common it ground. says it all the line, you know, mm-hmm. politics are irrelevant was an interesting choice of words because when we are faced with issues that are destroying a people, a culture, or in this case, the people of Raxus, it's about one thing. Diplomacy, saving lives, and rescuing people from tyrannical rule. And as you mentioned, Dave, the idea about Echo, you know, the members of Clone Force 99. I'm sorry, do you mean Iku? (laughs) Iku. Is that how she says Echo? Iku? No, it's like Iku. Iku. That that accent. (laughs) I don't use this word very often, but that accent is adorable. It is. It's adorable. (laughs) Uh, but yes, the that idea says so much about the members of Clone Force 99, but it was also more complicated, as you said, when it came to Echo. No doubt Clone Force 99 has their preconceptions or simply put prejudices. It's, yes. it's going to happen due it's to the happen. war. And I would love to see them explore that, especially when it comes to characters like Echo. Echo has every reason to hate the Separatists because of what they did to him. He doesn't know the full story he doesn't have the complete picture and i'm hoping this is a thing i don't need him to be some hate monger or relentless when it comes to former separatists because that would feel insincere to his characterization you know who he is as an individual but i want to see him struggle with the idea that it's no longer the republic versus separatists but everyone against tyranny and this takes us right back to what I said several episodes back. I hope that we start seeing an investigation into the war that leads right to Palpatine's door. It, this is the series to do it. It's something that should be explored. It's already been voiced in various Star Wars stories that it was odd how fast a cloned army was put together. Also, how the war just abruptly ended. <laughs> and All yeah. roads lead to a single puppeteer. And I feel like it needs to be done at some point. And this is the series that can really flesh open uh, or flesh out that entire aspect, especially because of how they dealt with the inhibitor chip. Yes. That alone is more than just suspicious. Why were the clones embedded with the chip? These are the questions I would have if I was part of Clone Force 99. Why were the clones embedded with a chip that would turn them against the Jedi in an instant and follow the rule of just a single man? The Chancellor or now the Emperor. The Emperor. The ingredients are there to really start having this investigation, you know, fleshed out. Honestly, when you think about the Bad Batch, what other direction can they take this story that would make sense? 
Oh, easily, easily. Yeah, I, I 100% agree with you, especially like the way that the ambassador of Braxis basically looks at the uh, that that scene where he looks at the imperial officer and basically tells him, "I am not going to be your puppet," because he understands what's happening. He, he definitely gets it. He, he he sees that the empire is all about control. There are suspicions, and I don't remember Dave and Lauren. If you guys do, then please educate me. I can't remember a book or a comic book series recently within the Disney era that shared the thought that the world figured out eventually that Palpatine was the grand puppeteer. I don't think until it, when it comes to my memory, I don't think until the last Jedi, when Luke mentions Palpatine or a Jedi controlling everything. Yeah. I think that's the first mention we have had where someone straight up says, this is what happened. I'm very aware in the, of how the galaxy was engulfed in war. In the movies, yeah, I believe it was Last Jedi because that's the only time that you have ever hear him, hear Luke say that about the whole fact that one man manipulated an entire galaxy. The only other, the only other place that you could probably find it, mm-hmm. and I think I remember reading about it, is in Aftermath. Okay, after which was the first books that came out when Force Awakens right. came out. Well, uh, that yeah, was I, that was a part of the whole journey to the Force Awakens. Yes, all and of the books and comics and things. Yeah. That those series of books, you kind of got a sense that the everyone in the galaxy knew what the em- empire did. Well, is it illusions or is it straight up stated? It's straight up stated. Uh, actually, it is straight up stated because okay. I remember in the Princess Leia book, that's what kind of led to oh, the entire. Okay. To everyone turning on Leia because they found out that she was. You're talking about the propaganda Leia book? The yes. one that was designed to make her look bad, that she's the daughter of Vader. The daughter of Vader. Yeah, I yeah. love that. Yeah. And it was, and, and that is when you begin to realize that the, the galaxy knew that they're being manipulated. Now, did they know all of uh, Palpatine's machinations? I doubt how they, can they any, could. They well, could. how can anyone really know when he played it so close to his vest the or to his chest the only way people would know is if individuals that were affiliated with him were interrogated, interrogated. by the bad batch yeah that's, that's all i'm just throwing out there oh, no, i would no, love to see the bad batch <laughs> be the ones to actually piece together this and because of them members of the new republic or uh, the future rebel alliance what however far you want to go into the future the reason why they even have inklings of what actually happened is because of of these individuals. And it's impossible, honestly, to to when you look at how big the galaxy is, it would be nearly impossible for everyone to fully understand what happened. I mean, to this day, when you look at Nazi Germany, we don't even fully understand. Well, we do a bit more than we did, but it took decades took for decades. us to fully understand what they were doing to the Jewish people. I mean, they were hiding bodies everywhere they could, burying them so deep, burning bodies, putting bones into concrete so they can make roads and bridges to get rid of the evidence. So it took decades for us in this one single planet to fully figure out what they were doing. That's the that's the one of the beautiful things that I will say is the strength of this new era of Star Wars, especially if you've been reading the books, reading the comics and watching the watching the animations and of course the movies is you get a gauge that Palpatine had so many pieces to his puzzle. God, I love like it, it wasn't it wasn't just 
you know, the whole cloning thing. It wasn't just, oh, so you know, much more. Yeah. There, there was so many other things that he was trying to figure out, but the underlying tone is about control. It was all to maintain his control over the, over, over the entire galaxy and power, right? And power, which is hand in, goes hand in hand with control. Oh, know? absolutely. But I mean, if you look at like, limited power, Dave, we could, we could easily, I, I honestly think Mike, we could easily do a extra show just piecing together all of Palpatine's plans because I've seen people do it and it is scary. It's, it, it really, I remember uh, reading. It's, it's uh, masterful, Dave, in the ways of writing. It's just masterful how Lucas strategized so much because so most, of the, most of the Palpatine stuff was all pre-Disney and luckily a lot of that has stayed canon yes. because of Clone Wars and of course Filoni repurposing a few things here and there and uh, also comic book writers in this new era that also the things that Lucas you know had originally you know set in motion that then got retconned in oh, 2012 yeah. so they are bringing back certain bringing things. bringing back certain things yeah. just to show the scope of like how evil this man was. Yeah and that brings us back to Bad Batch. Bad Batch needs to be that series. I feel like if they if they're going to stand the test of time, if they're going to stand on their own and be something completely different than Rebels or Clone Wars and make themselves a permanent relevant fixture within the landscape of Star Wars, they need to be involved in something relevant to Star Wars in a big way. The only the only issue I have with that though is you don't want them to dig dig too deep because especially with the time frame that they're in it's going to take time. It's going to take time. But I mean, like they can't like suddenly find out everything. I, I think at the same time, though, like, yeah, it's going to take time for all of Palpatine's plans to come to fruition and everything. All of his careful, you know, seeds that he's planted and everything. But at the same time, Palpatine is not a man that leaves loose ends evidence he doesn't yeah he (laughs) doesn't leave people alive if he doesn't need to so i think if anything what better time than as it's happening to actually be able to still find the loose threads of evidence there i think the longer you wait the you know the the more time passes the less likely it is that they'll find any evidence of much of anything yeah it's true. And also look at the Kaminoans aspect too, Lauren. I mean, the time is now when it comes to the Kaminoans because I am sure the Kaminoans know so much. Oh, I mean, wow. right so there is prime picking for figuring things out because what do they know? When you really think about it, they were tasked with creating the secret army. What are their thoughts on this? I would love to understand their thoughts because oh, yeah. up to last episode, they've been a bit ambiguous in the ways of their own, you know, uh, goals and agendas. Now it's pretty clear what their leader is about. But other than that, where do their, what do they think? Well, what do they know? They've got to know a lot more than we have uh, been led to believe as an audience. And there has to be a reason up to this point because the Kaminoans have been working alongside Palpatine this whole time. We know that he's the one that actually manipulated the whole clone army and developing the clone army, but the Kaminoans have been with him the whole time until this point. Well, what do they think about the inhibitor chip? 
hey, before the war's even over, you want us to put an inhibitor chip that makes them turn on the Jedi? Hmm. <laughs> That's strange. That's kind of strange. So where... We need to learn their mindset, and that's where Omega comes in as well, and that's the importance of Omega. And sure, we theorized last episode that Omega will have some connection to Boba Fett, obviously, because of what they they did with with her in that episode. That's that's an obvious connection, but there's so much more they can do now with that connection, you know, with Boba Fett being the alpha and she being the Omega. Omega. What does that really mean? It's got to mean something. It's If they're bringing Boba Fett back, and which I think sure, got to. you know, listen, uh, if it was just Favreau's idea, then it's I have. I probably wouldn't be thinking overthinking it because Favreau seems to be a lot about fan service and just having a good time. But because Filoni is involved as executive producer, he's going to take whatever Favreau has in his mind and he's going to make it more relevant to the bigger picture because that's what Filoni does. And now that he's introducing this aspect of the Alpha and the Omega there's got to be a much bigger story here. You don't bring Omega in to Star Wars at this t- moment in history to do nothing with it. Yeah. It's going to yeah. be big. Especially when in this episode, the thing I thought that was really smart was they showed that Omega, this is now we're seeing more and more leanings toward Omega is very special. Yeah. Sh- showing that she has the skill to be a tactician. Ah, uh, yeah. That was a very telling. That was very telling. And and as a Star Wars fan, also in the end, if you're a hardcore Star Wars fan, seeing her defeat a Chiz at, at the game is impressive. <laughs> because I'm sorry, if you're a Star Wars fan, you know that the, 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 the alien race of the Chiz are so intelligent because Grand Admiral Thrawn is one of them. Yeah. And what are they famous for? They're very famous for being brilliant st- uh, strategists. Do you think that was purposely done oh absolutely i think oh, it was yeah. it was and you know we know feloni now is not the type of person to you know go ding dong here's a easter right. egg <laughs> he there's a reason why he chooses certain things now and i've been seeing it now and throughout bad batch is like yes we could classify them as easter eggs but they're easter eggs with meaning to the right. story because yep. like when you get to that point Especially right now, we're we're like ten episodes in, right? And just like what you said, we're trying to figure out why is Omega so special. Well, now we're seeing it bleeding in where she's she's already been called the Omega to to Boba Fett's Alpha. Then you have to show well what what makes her so special. Well, she's brilliant for one thing. I would love to see someone not so ruthless. You know, so, for someone who is not as ruthless as say Django Fett. And I think that's and the Boba point. Fett. And someone who has all of their abilities, but is more kind and uses strategy over just brute force. I think that's an interesting road to take this character. And it's a really cool parallel between Boba Fett because Boba Fett, the whole point of Boba was the fact that he was trained by his dad, by by Django. Until his head fell off. Until his head fell off. (laughs) But (laughs) his Django passed down his skills and his teachings to Boba. And being able to actually see Omega not be influenced by that will be really cool because just like what you said, you'll see like suddenly her not be as cruel. Yeah. Not as, not as stern or ironclad as you would expect a Mandalorian to be. (laughs) All the the skills, but a different kind of uh, nature versus nurture. Nurture. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. 
Yeah. They, and we we had veered to this territory last episode, Dave. Yeah. About you know Omega's purpose and possibly seeing her in in the book of Boba Fett. And I don't like getting into these wild fan theories, but at this point with what they're doing with the clones and the Kaminoans, I'm wondering if they're laying down the path here to actually see her in Fett in series. Action. Yeah. I wouldn't be, I'd love to, I'll be honest. As long I'd as it's to. meaningful, like story driven, not just, Hey guys, Omega. <laughs> yeah. But someone, uh, someone actually, uh, a friend of mine, who's actually a big Boba Fett fan, mm-hmm. actually basically brought up a good point is like, we're, we were saying that, well, Boba Fett would be interested in, no, in, in knowing that he has a quote unquote, a sister out there. Yeah. It's not but, a sister. If you clone someone, let's just get that out there. <laughs> Everybody wants to romanticize cloning. Just like Ray, isn't the daughter of Palpatine. Exactly. Okay. She's a clone. But the, the, uh, my friend brought up a good point is like Boba Fett actually probably wouldn't care about Omega because Omega to, to Boba Fett goes against everything that his dad's passed down to him. Well, also Boba Fett's just a simple man trying to make his way through the galaxy. You know, he doesn't need a sister trying to slow him <laughs> up. Just just a him simple up. man of simple, simple pleasures. pleasures. <laughs> Blasting his way through the galaxy, one bounty at a time. <laughs> and plus, you have, uh, on top of that, the thing I thought about after this episode, I was like, like wait a minute. So we know Fennec had knows about omega that's what i'm saying and suddenly she's in she's in the book of boba fett yep. you think she would actually say hey you know you have a sister <laughs> that's what i said last episode but i had mentioned that Finnick shand why bring Finnick shand of all people into the series and then connect her to boba fett and then yeah. have her now connected to omega in a lot of ways the mandalorian that episode where fett saved shand it never really sat well with me because I shrugged. I'm like, so you just went up to some random woman in the desert and decided to save her life? Why? Yeah. Uh, no, nope. he had his eyes on her. He was watching. And they they set it up in the Mando um, as yeah. being like he was just watching his armor, you know, right. waiting for the moment to get it back. But like, you know, we know that he is you know, sometimes uh, sometimes not always working out for him, but he is a tactician <laughs> at the end of the day. Like, he does try to use strategy to, like, you know, get, get a, a, a leg up on someone. <laughs> it yeah. doesn't always work, but he tries. Um, and, like, it just, it really played out like he was, oh, yeah, he's he sees his armor. He knows who has his armor, and he's determined to get it back. All right, cool. Wonder why he's waiting, but that's okay. Um, but, but yeah, really, it's, he didn't care about the, the Mandalorian. He didn't care about Din walking around. He cared about, oh, hey, Fennec Shand is over there. I could use someone to help me with what I need to accomplish, and my armor is over there. We're getting it back, and then we're going to do some other stuff. <laughs> yeah, it just seems like a, a connection is there as well. It just feels like, you know, I mean, to have Boba Fett just simply save someone, just like he doesn't save people, really. So, no. I'm like, why is he saving Not for her? no there's, reason. There's got to be a reason. Does he know of her connection, or perhaps do they have a relationship already from years past? Is Fennec Shand one of the people who take who took Boba Fett under her wing a long time ago when he was younger I mean, we know she's running around this time we know that he's a lot young he's very young at this time so i feel like there's a connection there that hasn't been uh fully worked through yet and sure 
I'm again, because Favaro is all about fun. I'm sure there was no thought behind it. It was like, yeah, Boba Fett brought her back to life. Why not? Now they're a team. This is awesome. This is cool. And Filoni's probably pulling hair in the back saying, but dude, that fucking doesn't really like that's fun and everything. But like, let's 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 make this really count. <laughs> let's make this count. And he probably chooses his battles. He's like, you know what? I'm going to do what I always do. And I'm just going to rework your shit and make it gold in my own series. In my own and then, series. Then makes your series that much better. Because that's what secret rulers do. He is the Palpatine <laughs> of Lucasfilm. Because because Filoni has learned from George Lucas. Manipulate everybody to get your way. Okay, listen. Filoni is a lot like Lucas. But the difference is Filoni doesn't have the ego. So he deals with people better. He's a little more diplomatic. He can actually work with humans a lot better than Lucas can. <laughs> can That's the only difference between Filoni and, and, Luke, and Lucas. Uh, although, although, dude, I, I don't know what he did to just to Justin uh, Justin Ridge because Justin Ridge disappeared off the place But of what the do planet. you do to people with that fuck up TV show? <laughs> well, you throw them in the starlight pit or you murder them. <laughs> you murder them. Which pretty much ends the same way. Okay, I think, so, I think the difference with Filoni is, is he's just happy to be here. He's yeah. just happy to be making <laughs> Star Wars. <laughs> yeah. So, all right. Hunter and Omega. They furthered their relationship a bit. Hunter made Omega set out the mission. He's a bit overprotective, but that's what dads do. Let's be honest. That's kind of what the they're doing here with this yes. relationship. But it seemed like perhaps he realized that his actions are make Omega are making Omega feel a bit displaced, unneeded. You know, of course, she wants to be useful. And through all of this, by the end, Hunter and Omega came out stronger and Hunter learned a few things about essentially being a father. I also like what they did with Sid this week. Um, she or he, I, I don't know. They've been a bit ambiguous it. with it. Yeah. Okay, let's go with that. Um, but they've also been ambiguous with her intentions. And I, I feel like for the most part, that's worked. And it still does work. Absolutely. However, I, I am happy that they gave her a little bit more or her or him a little bit more to work with. Sure. They are about loyalty to money. That seems to be their priority, which works yeah. within, you know, the, the lens of star Wars, but we need more than that after a while. And I like that. They implied that she has a lot more going on within her heart than just simply money. Yeah. I it like that aspect. It brought a, I think a needed aspect to her character in this episode. Well, especially in the very end when her characters kind of softened towards yeah. Omega and it's like, I like the fact that Hunter first scolds Omega because she didn't follow his orders. Right. But Sid's the one that basically, you know, smacks his hand and says, Hey, she helped you. Right. So I like that you need to actually lighten up. Yeah. <laughs> and I like the fact that Sid's the one that did that. Yeah. And then Wrecker shoulder checked him. Do you see that? Yeah. That I was laughing. Well, because Wrecker Wrecker <laughs> is like that older brother to Omega. So it's, that, that's it's, exactly you're right. That's it, exactly the it's relationship. It's a very older brother kind of like, hey, don't mess with my uh, don't mess with my sister type of thing. Yeah. You know? But like it's. It's interesting that, as I said, every single episode we're seeing more and more of of the dynamic of this group turning into a family. Hunter's assuming more of that kind of like leader slash patriarch role. You know, you have Wrecker who's kind of like protective of everybody, like the brother role. And then, you know, you have Tech who Tech's the brains of the operations and everyone listens to Tech no matter what. <laughs> Because everyone knows, okay, whatever he says 
is probably the best for everybody. <laughs> so he's the brains of the operation. Yeah. Let's get into our final thoughts. Lauren, why don't you start us off and uh, also offer up your RMD score, please? Ooh, we, um, this, this episode really, really hit a nice spot for me because it felt like coming home to clone wars a bit with, uh, with the political aspects of it. And just like, just that, that first scene on Raxus when, you know, all, everyone's all crowded around waiting to hear what the Imperial officer is going to say and their Senator, um, it, it's a nice return to the goings-ons of the war. You know, like, where are we at now and how are things progressing? It's nice to see that there's been some movement, you know, and it's not just the propaganda phase of like, oh, look at these new credits and we'll give you a number and, and you'll, <laughs> you'll have an identifier now. Wow, look at all these neat things. Look, 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 shiny lights. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and now, now we're moving into the intimidation and force um, level of this, <laughs> this plan. So it's, uh, it, was, it was nice to see some progress there. And of course, seeing Omega kind of rise to a new occasion in her own right. Yeah, it was just strategy games, but... It shows how efficient she could actually be if you put those skills to use. She doesn't necessarily need to be, like, in combat, but she could be a useful member of the team in her own right. Yeah. Um, I'm going to give this one... Am I going to give this one an 88, I think? Okay. Maybe? Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to give it an 88. All right, David. Uh, I'm... Pretty much leaning towards the same thing as Lauren. My score is like an 89. I really like this episode because it's kind of like they're not forgetting what building blocks they set up prior to the series. You know, it's not like all of a sudden, look, everyone's happy now and we have a rebellion. And now it's not now it's not about the Republic versus the Separatists. It's about the Empire versus the Rebels. Well, there's no rebellion yet. And I like the fact that we're seeing the progression that honestly feels really authentic time-wise. Like we're, we're getting to see that basically why the Empire is evil. You know, it's not just about saying that they're evil. You have to show just how bad it was to be under Empire rule. And also bringing in that, that, theme, that overall theme, especially during this time in in uh, Star Wars canon, the theme of like freedom and hope is paramount in all the stories. You look at it, look at Solo, look at uh, New Hope, look at all of them. All the themes in those movies is about hope and personal freedom and, you know, breaking the shackles of quote unquote totalitarian governments. And I like the fact that they don't forget about that because that is something that is core to Star Wars, especially around this era. And as I said, I can't say enough about how Filoni has been able to take these characters and adapt them and kind of change them from like what we would expect a clone soldier. Now we're seeing them more personable. We're seeing more of like a, a family instead of like a, a band of brothers we're seeing an actual family coming together. You know, you have Omega, Hunter, Tech, Echo, and 
uh, Wrecker. And of course, we have the the bad uncle who's crosshair, not hairs, crosshair. <laughs> um, just somewhere out in the distance. The only thing that I wanted to bring up to you, Mike, is like, mm-hmm. do you realize in 10 episodes, would you say we have a big bad? I mean, even in like in Rebels, we had the big bad as Vader yeah. or the Inquisitors. That's a good question. I didn't think about it. I thought it was going to be Crosshair, but it's not really but Crosshair. it's not really Crosshair. I, I'm not. I know there is a there's a push within Western literature to always have that obvious antagonist. I mean, that's just that's just how stories are written. Stories are written. There's always got to be that tangible villain. But I feel like when writers are willing to take that risk and make the situations the antagonist make make it more situational because look at what they're up against when you really look at the bigger picture yeah sure the bad batch may not have that big ultimate villain but the person chasing them down is very personal for them it's crosshair their brother you also have the rise of of this diabolical government the empire they're up against a lot and they're what four of them five of them there's five of them against the galaxy essentially they think they're alone so because that's the the tone or the direction they're taking it i feel like at this point in the game it's okay to be light on the overt antagonist does that yeah sound that sounds that sounds fair? actually a bit yeah fair okay okay so my score is an 89 percent. i enjoyed the episode i'm liking the directions they're going Whenever we can have a good discussion, like this was a good discussion today. And whenever we can have a good, thorough discussion, that means there are things in this episode worthy of talking about. Yeah. There are shows that I pull my hair out. <laughs> I'm talking our, oh, our yeah. shows where I'm like, I have no fucking idea what I'm going to talk about. <laughs> There's nothing intelligent here. There's nothing clever. It's just boom, 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 uh, plot progression. And that's it. But look, look at the discussion we had today, because there are a lot of nuggets of just goodness in the way of quality when it comes to this show. So 89%. We're not talking about, you know, like the, the economics of sandwich trading, you know? (laughs) Yeah. I I will give you your part. uh, If you make me a sandwich Sandwich. or whatever it was, (laughs) stupid. All right. David, why do you always got to bring up negative things? Like I was in a good mood and immediately I get shoved into this angry mindset. Oh, it's all that screaming in the falling. <laughs> yeah. Okay. We are going to end on that note. I want to thank everyone for listening. Thank you, Lauren. Thanks. And thank you, David. Thank you. May the force be with us. Ah, oh, yes. Ah!